0: If you guys are really enjoying this podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it if you left me some reviews, maybe some five stars, whether you're listening to this on Audible, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, make sure you guys leave this five stars, leave some nice words, also share it with a friend. You know, I don't charge anything for these podcasts and my goal is just to grow it and help the jiu-jitsu community. So thank you guys for supporting and I'll see you guys later. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Secrets Podcast. My name is Jason Hill case some of you guys don't know. So I greatly appreciate you guys checking out another episode. We've had a lot of new listeners and downloads here lately. I don't know if it's because you guys are sharing it or people are just finding it on their own. But whatever the case, I'm uh, I'm here for it. And I love that people are liking the content. So please, you know, shoot me some content ideas either on social media or, you know, wherever you can get a hold of me. Um, I also want to give a quick shout out to thank you to everyone who attended my web training Last Friday. Hopefully, you guys found it helpful. If you weren't able to attend it, please let me know, and I can send you an email and a copy. Um, I actually created a little 30-day action plan that you guys can follow each day in order to start um, taking action, taking ownership, determining what you should be training, why that is, all that good stuff. So my email is down in the uh, show notes of the description. So make sure you guys email me if you're if you're interested in that. If you didn't know it was happening, or you just you missed it. You forgot to register, you know? So anyway, in today's episode, I want to talk about, um, last night's training and and kind of what happened. And it brought up some, some good topics and, and good things that happened. But before I get, I get into it, I'll tell you what happened that a blue belt actually tapped me out. Oh no, a blue belt tapped out a black belt. I should no longer have a black belt, right? And, uh, you know, take my black belt away. Don't download this podcast anymore because a blue belt tapped me out. Therefore I have no more value to offer. You know, that should never, that should never happen. Right. So now if you want to listen and actually hear what happened, I can, I can tell you because it's a great, um, story for, for learning and about how you should be thinking about your training in my opinion, right? Everyone has different opinions and this is how, you know, I've made it work for my 14 years of training and and I made it to black belt. So, um, what we were doing was last night in my advanced class, we were teaching back attacks and we were looking at the bow and arrow choke. We were looking at how we can catch it from the back mount position, how we can transfer to it from the actual mount position. And so we were drilling that and that was the technique. Well, uh, Monday nights are often a little bit shorter of rounds. So what I like to do is... We only did three minute rounds because it makes people kind of sprint and, and get to a certain objective. And so the objective was people had to start on your back. So you would have someone on your back in the backpack position, you know, ready to go. And if you escaped, then you would just keep going. The match would keep happening. But like, let's say you got tapped in the first 15, 20, 30 seconds, then you would change roles and you would take their back. And then if they escaped, then you would just keep the match going. So it wasn't a total... Like one specific focus, but with only three minutes, you know, there wasn't that many positional changes or whatever, because pretty much by the time the person either escaped, you know, they were starting to pass the guard or they were starting to escape the mount again, then, you know, the time was, the time was going up. But what this does is it allows if you're a lesser skilled person to actually get on an upper belt's back or get on a person's back and at least attempt some offense and get to see what it's like. It also forces an upper belt to experience having their back taken and being in an inferior position. So many times I see upper belts, they refuse to do that because the competition mindset doesn't encourage you to have people in bad positions or to put people in bad positions. Um, But we can't just blame it all on the competition. A lot of it is your ego. A lot of it is like if I'm a purple belt or a brown belt, I just can't allow a blue belt to get on my back because I'm supposed to be the dominant. I'm supposed to be the alpha. I'm not supposed to let them be there. So I'm just gonna smash them and fight for my life and never allow it to happen. And that's um, that's a that's a per, that's a perception and that's a a way to think about it. But in my personal opinion, that hinders growth. I think that doesn't help you grow. I think that only kind of um, keeps you in your own echo chamber and it only trains what you're good at. So you're, you're never going to get exposed to the other side of the coin. So what happened with me personally is that I was, uh, training, I trained with all different people. I trained with anything from a brown belt last night to a blue belt. And this just kind of shows you that styles and ways that people train are very different. So for example, I was, I had a brown belt on my back and, you know, he got close to, to catching me two or three times, but I was able to kind of survive, and get out and, you know, able to escape or, or whatever. But then I get to a blue belt and, you know, he's a little bit longer built. You know, he's not, uh, he's got long arms, he's got long legs and, um, and he's been training for, for a bit. And so we start going and, and he falls down to the underhook side or the weak side. And, um, so I'm starting to escape. I'm starting to, you know, unloop my head, get the hand out of the lapel. You know, I'm starting to do all of that. But then he did a beautiful, um, side switch where he, Uh, as I was starting to escape, he pulled me back on top and he, he transferred me to the strong side, beautiful, great technique. Um, probably learned it from me. No, I'm just kidding. And, uh, so he, he hit that. And so I was starting to do my strong side escapes and, you know, I, I forgot how long his arms were and I forgot, um, you know, he had it in really deep and, you know, I thought I had a little bit more time. And so I was going, 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 and then, you know, it just sunk in. And so I tapped. And so he a hundred percent caught that. Yes. He started on my back, but who cares? He caught it. Right. And this led me to be thinking about this idea and, and give, and I kind of gave a little, you know, tangent to the class at the end of the night. But, um, a lot of times, you know, for like that blue belt perspective, right. I'm going to talk about this from the lower belts perspective. And then I'm going to talk about it from the upper belts perspective, because I've been in both scenarios, I was a lower belt and I have tapped out upper belts and I'll tell you kind of what happened to me and often what I see versus, you know, me being the upper belt and what lower belts, uh, what, what I would say to a lower belt and, um, like what I see some other people say to lower belts when this happens, right? So let's talk about it in the place of the blue belt. So a lot of times if I was the blue belt and I would have tapped that, I would be like, oh, well, you know, they only let me get it because I'm a lower belt or they would say, ah, oh, you know, uh, I only got that because I started on his back or, or whatever. And I'm not saying that those statements aren't true, but I'm going to give you guys a task that you need to throw that mindset away. You need to stop thinking like that. You should literally be cheering at the top of your lungs. Now, I'm going to clarify about this. If you have like a vision board or a journal or like a dog or like a wife or a spouse or whoever that you just like tell all your great accomplishments to in jujitsu, you should go home and like just brag about them to that person. And I know this kind of goes against a lot of the jujitsu culture, but I'm going to tell you why. Because... In order to stay in jujitsu for long term, if you're not feeling like you're being successful or progressing, you will quit. That's it. So you have to acknowledge your successes, like suppressing that success is the absolute like worst thing you can do. Like so many times when people like, you know, in the whole mental health world, like suppressing your feelings and not letting them boil up and stuff is like you know such a common thing especially you know since jiu-jitsu is a very male dominated art that's a thing that dudes like to do a lot but it's the same thing in jiu-jitsu like if i'm a blue belt and i just tapped out a black belt like if you're not feeling excited or happy what is wrong with you are you like a psychopath that you would feel like that that's like not good you should be absolutely ecstatic even if you were tapping out a purple belt or another tough blue belt that you don't ever catch you should be excited now I'm going to be very clear. There's a way to be excited and to be humble at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. It's not like being humble and being respectful. You have to be this like Eeyore type and you can't be excited at the same time. I absolutely hate that mindset or dogma that Jiu-Jitsu has kind of implanted into the society or the art. Like I like the idea of being humble, but you should also be acknowledging what 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 is happening too. They're, they're both they can be done at the same time. I don't know. We're humans. We have a complex brain. We can multitask. I don't know why that's such a hard thing for people to, I don't know, resonate with or be able to understand. Anyway, so if I was the blue belt, I should be like writing it on my vision board, putting it in my training journal. Hey, this day I tap chase with this and this move and whatever else right now, what I maybe recommend you don't do is like stand up, run around the room, you know, start a dirty rumor about how bad the black belt is in the room. You know, that's, that's the disrespectful part. Like that's the part that's kind of the, the weird part where that's more of like your ego talking on the other end, but you should a hundred percent be happy for yourself that you were able to accomplish that. And who cares if it was because you only started on the back? Or who cares if it was because they only let you do it because you are a lower belt? Who cares? You make the rules. You guys have to take ownership and make your own rules. So he should be excited. And this is actually what I told the class. I literally said this to the class last night. Like he should be excited. Then I threw in a joke that was like, well, now if he goes off and starts his own school and like post all over, you know, his website that his credentials are because he tapped me, then, um, yeah, then, 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 then we're going to have a problem. But that's obviously a joke. So thank you guys again for supporting the podcast. In case you guys didn't know, I'm really trying to work on growing my social media presence, either on Instagram and on Twitter. So make sure you guys give me a follow over there of at Jason Hill is both handles. It's also in the show description. It's a quick way to link over. This is the best way to also ask me about questions or topics you would like future podcasts on. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you check out the YouTube channel. It has a lot of these topics just in video format. It's just another medium for you guys to check it out. And so that is a good way to also get some jujitsu help. From the other perspective, right, when it comes to the upper belt, and this goes into the blue belt, a lot of times about what they're told and why they're they're made to suppress their uh, their uh, a joy or excitement or, or whatever, is because a lot of times from the upper belt's perspective, Uh, standpoint they will do this thing where they get tapped and then all of a sudden it's like now they owe the other one that one so like if a blue belt taps you right and uh then it happens and then you're like oh well now i gotta get them because they got me and you start rolling like harder at them and we all know this if you train in jiu-jitsu you'll feel it and part of that i don't think is necessarily always bad like i'm not saying that you shouldn't do that as the upper belt But what that does often to the bluebell is that makes them feel like that they've done something wrong. Like now they're getting punishment for doing exactly probably what they were taught. They were taught to finish submissions and finish chokes and like do the moves correctly. And now they're getting punished for that. That's kind of a weird mental psychological like twist and thriller on that way. I don't know. That's just how my brain thinks about that, but Um, it's kind of that, you know, give one to take one type idea. And so what that often does is that leads the lower belt to thinking that their accomplishment isn't as successful or they didn't do it as well as they should have, or maybe they did something wrong because they tapped that or whatever. Right. Or then the upper belt will a lot of times even make a comment. They'll be like, well, you only got that because I let you, or uh, you only got that because you started in that position And for the upper belt, what I would tell you is like, yeah, but you should have got out who gives a shit, right? Like if they finished it, they finished it. Now I understand the back mount is one of the strongest positions. And even if you're like, what happened to me, a blue belt who got on my back that had grips in and everything, like it's such a powerful position that if he understands how to finish it or he sets the choke and he gets it in, there's a certain point where it's just too late and you have to tap. Some other techniques or positions aren't like that. Some other ones aren't as bad as that one, but the back mount is probably one of the worst. So that's going to happen. And uh, for the upper belt to just kind of shrug that off, like that's not a problem or like that they shouldn't be getting better at that is ridiculous. And so they're trying to bump up their own ego and, uh, you know, kind of somewhat bully The lower belt and tell them that their accomplishment shouldn't be acknowledged or they shouldn't do whatever right and for the upper belt what i should what i would tell you is like you should be ecstatic that they caught you in that even if you even if it was a blue even if it was a white belt and i was a black belt because now i should be going home and i should be obsessed with thinking about that choke that they caught me in, how they caught me, what are the ways that I can work to get out of it. I'm going to go home and study all the instructionals that I have. I'm going to go ask my coach or another training partner or something ways to escape or, or whatever. You now have a clear guided focus on a thing that you should be working on right now. The hard part is being disciplined and making sure you continue to work on it over and over and over again, because Nine times out of ten, if you get to that same blue belt again, and you guys just start standing, there's it's it's going to be rare that that blue belt's going to get to your back again like that. So you have to put yourself in those bad positions so that way you can continue to train that over and over. Whether you ask them to start there or you just literally volunteer and give up your back, whatever, right? So this is it was an interesting uh, thought exercise, and this happens to me all the time, guys. I get tapped by lower belts all the time. If you're not putting yourself in bad positions, then you're just really neglecting and uh, not becoming a a, a well-rounded grappler, right? Even if you're not a competition person, even if you're just a hobbyist, it's even probably more important that you do these kinds of things because you can't always control. There's always going to be someone younger and better who's coming in and and getting better faster than you. So you should be kind of sharp on all fronts. But yeah, that's the story about how I uh, how a blue belt tapped me out, and uh, and with that, and and another thing that I uh, told my class last night was this idea about like getting over it, and like if the blue belt taps you out, get over it, and like if the blue belt does that, then the blue belt should be successful, and then the upper belt shouldn't be that upset by it, and they should be figuring out ways to get better. And part of the reason why I say that that, that stuff to them is because. Not necessarily that they were the big culprits of the problem, but there's going to be someone else who's going to come in that maybe doesn't learn as much from me because they're not in as many of my classes. They're not, you know, whatever, there's different phases and students are going to be inadvertently become instructors. You guys are going to happen to become instructor, whether you're an assistant instructor, you get put with the new guy, you're, you, students are many teachers, whether you guys know it or not. Um, especially when you're drilling, you know, you're giving the feedback, you're helping each other. So I tell you guys this stuff because if it doesn't get passed down, then it dies. If no one implants these ideas, then it dies. So now you guys can take this information, work on it for yourself. And then hopefully maybe you can pass it down to people inside of your jujitsu community, right? If you, you know, are the upper belt, you know, you got to set the example. That's a, that's another key thing. Like if I wasn't, practicing that then you know i'd be very hypocritical but like i uh like i told you after he had tapped me i was so excited and i uh, even told him i was like dude that was awesome that was a great switch whatever and then i even told the entire class that he tapped me i even said his name and said this guy tapped me and this was great and he should be happy and go on to all that so um yeah it just it just helps put everything out there you know this is a a true and, and honest con- conversation you know i'm not like a a guy that pretends like he's the best in the world and and you're going to have failures. And and that's part of it because jujitsu, like, like, like Instagram or, or, or anything social media wise, you know, when you see a guy that is only training and he's looking all sweaty and he's got someone, you know, he's choking out someone and, and you're only seeing their successes. You're like thinking like, man, these people are so much better than me. You know, hardly ever does anyone post any kind of content of them just like getting absolutely destroyed over and over and over again. Um, but that's like the reality of it. You're going to tap a lot more than you ever, uh, get, get taps. You're like, you're going to tap a lot more in the training room than you ever will, you know, tap other people because of the thousands you're going to experience until you become skilled enough. So anyway. I just thought I'd tell you guys that because I think that resonates with people a lot more. I think that's what a lot more people experience than the fictitious you know, competition athlete that's always posting their win record all the time and and look at how much success I've always had. Well, that doesn't relate to most of us. So it's kind of hard to put yourself in that position if it's never been done. But I guarantee you those guys are training in a way where they're putting themselves in bad positions and trying stuff and all those things to get that good. So anyway... There's that. Um, That's it for this episode. Thank you guys again for tuning in. And until next time, I will see y'all later. If you're a struggling jiu-jitsu student that is really looking for some more help and guidance and trying to figure out what you should be training and the next steps in your jiu-jitsu journey, I have an online program called the Jiu-Jitsu Blueprint for Lifelong Development. Make sure you hit me up at JasonHill.com. And I do an interview to make sure that you're a good fit, make sure the program would actually benefit you so that way your time's not wasted and neither is mine.